Hello and welcome to Fintech Bytes, a podcast series from CMS, in which we will discuss and provide insight into some of the latest technology and regulatory developments, market trends and issues affecting fintech and innovation in financial services. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the CMS Fintech Bytes podcast series. My name is Reeve Boyd and I'm a lawyer in the Financial Services Disputes team at CMS and a member of the CMS FinTech Practice Group. Today, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Jamie Marshall, who is a Senior Associate in the Financial Services Regulatory team at CMS. Jamie, hi, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. In today's podcast, we'll be covering the FCA's consumer duty regime and what that means for fintechs. For those that aren't aware, if you've been living under a rock, consumer duty took effect on 31st of July of this year. Its broad reach has meant that most areas of the regulated financial services sector have been impacted by it in some way, shape or form, and fintechs are no exception to this. And today, we couldn't be better placed as Jamie is going to attempt to bring some clarity to proceedings on what consumer duty is, why fintechs should sit up and take notice, well, if they haven't already, So, Jamie, I think a sensible starting point would be to set out at a very high level what the consumer duty is, who it applies to, and what it requires firms to do. Sure. So, um, the consumer duty uh, is the FCA's flagship consumer protection initiative, um, which, as you said, kicked in earlier uh, this year at the end of July. So, the main requirement under the duty is for firms to act to deliver good outcomes for retail customers. Um, That's the top level requirement, which is underpinned by what the FCA calls cross-cutting rules, which are obligations on firms to act in good faith towards retail customers, to avoid causing foreseeable harm to retail customers and to enable and support retail customers to pursue their financial objectives. And beneath those rules um, sits for uh, outcomes, which is where the meat uh, of the consumer duty really lies, uh, which cover products and services, which essentially is around manufacture and distribution of regulated products, price and value, which is what it sounds like, uh, consumer understanding, which is about consumer facing materials like terms and conditions and marketing literature, and uh, consumer support, which again is what it sounds like, that sort of pre and post sale um, customer support services. Um, and the FCA has also introduced some reasonably extensive guidance on what the core concepts of the consumer duty means and how firms can go about complying with it. Yeah, thanks, Jamie. That all makes sense, I think. Um, how can firms go about complying with the duty? So the duty is a outcomes focused piece of regulation, which means that rather than complying with specific rules, as has historically been the case, firms have to um, comply with the overarching requirements to deliver good or to act to deliver good customer outcomes. Um, And doing that means being proactive. So firms, first of all, need to uh, carry out a due diligence exercise of their business to identify which of their business lines are actually caught. It might be that some are caught and some aren't, or all of them are or none of them are, but firms need to um, work that out for themselves to identify their consumer duty touch points, as they're sometimes called. Um, so that's the first point. Second is uh, that firms need to identify what good outcomes actually means for each of those business lines. The FCA hasn't defined what good outcomes means, and it is quite subjective. So firms need to work that out in a um, robust, sensible way that they can justify to the regulator if need be. And Finally, uh, firms need to put in place processes and procedures to deliver those outcomes in practice. So, for example, firms need to have a product approval process 
uh, to ensure that any new products comply with the duty and uh, when they review products periodically um, to make sure that they still comply with the duty or whether they can be improved. Um, and firms also need to make sure that they have a process for making sure that any customer facing materials like marketing literature complies with the duty, which might include um, testing with focus groups um, or possibly getting external advice. Sure. Well, I guess the natural follow up question in my mind then is how firms and in particular fintechs know whether they're caught by the duty. So the term fintech is quite a broad church and it catches a broad range of firms that uh, do, do a lot of different things. Um, so it's not a question of one size fits all uh, as, as regards how the consumer duty applies to fintechs. Right. So we can start with the easy ones. Uh, fintechs who are not FCA authorised firms and who don't carry on business which is regulated by the FCA are not caught by the consumer duty. So if a fintech has fully unregulated business lines, then it's not something that it really needs to worry about um, so far as its own regulatory obligations are concerned. The exceptions to those are e-money firms and payment services firms, which we'll come on to in a moment. Um, but they are quite an important exception. So uh, firms who are FCA authorised and who directly provide services to retail customers are caught by the duty. Yeah. So this could include, for example, um, providers of digi or robo advice services or um, uh, providers of online um, investment platforms that enable retail customers to invest in, for example, funds or shares in listed companies. Those firms will be caught by the duty. Um, the grey area is in firms that sit within the middle of those two. So if a firm is carrying on a regulated business, but they're not servicing retail customers directly, they can still be caught by the duty because mm -hmm. of what is called um, a distribution chain. So the consumer duty has quite a broad application and it can apply to firms who provide services to other firms who themselves service retail clients. Um, and that is the distribution chain. So effectively, it's the chain of firms between the manufacturer of a particular product at one end and the retail customer at the other. Um, so an example of that is if you have a, an investment platform, so I mentioned before an online platform that uh, retail customers can use to invest in funds, you could have the provider of the fund at one end of the chain. Um, they might have a distributor that they appoint um, to market their fund. Uh, they might, that distributor might engage with the platform provider. Um, the platform provider might have, um, it might be an advised platform. So the investment advisor um, would themselves be part of the distribution chain. And then finally, you would have the end client. And so you would have, I think, in that firm, I think that's four firms, all part of the chain um, through which the fund makes its way ultimately to the end retail customer. And so those firms will probably all have some degree of responsibility under the duty in respect of that client's investment in that fund via that platform service. Um, that's quite a simple distribution chain. There are more complex examples where the link between the end customer and uh, the firm that's at, at a couple of removes from them is less clear. Uh, so that, that is something that needs to be worked through by firms um, to make sure that they fully understand what their responsibility is under the duty. How much responsibility a firm in a distribution chain actually has under the duty will depend upon how far it is able to determine or to materially influence the outcomes received by the end customers in the chain. So it might be that a firm 
is part of the distribution chain, but in reality, its its activities in that chain are comparatively low importance or low risk, um, and as a result, that they're not really in a position to influence um, underlying retail customer outcomes. If a firm's not at all able to influence them, then they won't be caught by the duty. If they are in a position to influence those outcomes, then they will have some degree of responsibility, and it's it really is a question of degree. And the degree to which they're able to do that will drive the degree to which they have responsibility under the duty. Yeah. Um, I think that it's important to give an honourable mention to crypto asset firms at this point. So crypto asset firms are not currently regulated in respect of their crypto services um, because crypto itself is not currently regulated. There are proposals to change that position. Um, I think that we can probably say now that they are beyond proposals. The um, the government has recently published a paper, a feedback statement on its consultation to regulate crypto assets. Um, and uh, th- that does seem to suggest that uh, in due course, once Parliament has gotten around to legislating on the subject, that crypto providers will uh, have to be regulated in much the same way as um, more traditional financial services firms. Yes. So th- the proposals at the moment are lacking in a lot of the, t- the technical detail. So um, we don't really know exactly what that will look like, but the the um, steer from the government is that the it, it will look very much like how, for example, investment management firms are currently regulated or other financial services firms are regulated. Um, and so the hope in the government uh, and, and at the FCA is that that will improve standards um, at crypto firms and and so mitigate risks to investors in crypto products, uh, particularly consumers, um, with the idea that that will then curb, so far as the UK is concerned, some of the excesses of of the crypto industry, which have been seen. So, for example, the collapse of the FTX exchange, uh, which has recently led to the conviction of its founder, Sam Bankman-Fried, in the US criminal court. I think that once crypto firms are regulated, which does appear that it will now happen, um, those firms will be subject to consumer duty, which they are not currently. Uh, and I think that is important for those firms to recognise uh, with a view to preparing for it. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, let's part the crypto for the time being. I will come back to it. But I think for the time being, let's turn now to those areas of particular interest to fintech platforms. Of course. Um, so the first one, I think, and I mentioned before, that unregulated uh, or perhaps unauthorized firms are not subject to consumer duty. The exception to that is e-money firms and payment services firms, which are not in all cases uh, required to be authorized by the FCA. Sometimes they only have to register. But the consumer duty is expressly applied uh, to those firms. And because those firms usually do not have to be fully authorized by the FCA, they're not typically subject to the FCA's rules in the way that fully authorized firms are. Um, So for example, investment houses, banks, insurers, and so on. Uh, And because of that usual position that e-money firms and payment services firms get a a lighter touch treatment, if you like, under the rules, uh, their being subject to consumer duty does have the potential to trip them up, which I think is important for those firms to be aware of. Of course, yeah, thanks, Jamie. And will firms need to consider risks for those who are not subject to the consumer duty? Yes, they will. So I mentioned earlier the concept of a distribution chain um, and the example that I gave about fund distribution, all of the firms in that chain will be regulated. Um, You can have distribution chains where 
one or more of the firms in the chain is not regulated. So, for example, uh, embedded finance, which is becoming more prevalent um, over time, frequently involves firms who are not uh, regulated. So, for example, a fintech might provide some sort of point of sale payment service product for use by an online merchant. Um, when you come to pay for your products at the at the checkout, it may be that the payment process is handled by another firm. Um, in that situation, the online merchant frequently will not themselves be regulated. And in that sense, because they are um, they are the conduit, if you like, through which the retail customer comes into contact with the finance provider, they are a distributor of that finance provider's product. Uh, and as a result of that, they are they are effectively part of the distribution chain. So the use of unregulated distributors is not prohibited. Um, the FCA does explicitly mention this in its guidance, but they do note that it creates particular risks um, because those firms are not themselves subject to the duty. And so uh, firms who are subject to the duty, who are using those distributors, can't rely on those firms complying with the duty um, in order to ensure the regulated firm's own compliance, if you if you like, um, which creates risks for that firm, compliance risks, because how can you be confident that you can comply with your obligations to ensure um, good outcomes for retail customers if the firm who is actually facing off to those retail customers um, and you know is the vector for your service isn't obliged to do the same? Um, and so that does create compliance risks for, for fintechs offering that sort of service. That's just an example. There will be other examples, but um, I think it's a, it's a straightforward one for our purposes. So in that situation, if the customer journey, so far as the regulated service goes, takes place entirely on the finance provider systems. So, for example, if there's some sort of framing going on um, whereby the from the retail customer's perspective, they will remain on the merchant's website, but actually the, the finance, the, the regulated service will all be provided on the finance provider systems. The, the finance provider may have enough control over the customer journey, um, so far as the regulated service is concerned, to ensure that it can comply with the duty. If the customer journey will take place elsewhere, um, so either entirely or, or part of it will, then they might not have the comfort that they can comply with their regulatory obligations. And in that situation, they need to consider um, the risks that, that presents to them in terms of their, their compliance with the duty. It might be that they need to seek other forms of control over um, the uh, outcomes that customers receive. And the most obvious way to do that is through contractual obligations. Um, so to have a, a, a formal written agreement in place with the online merchant that sets out um, how the customer journey will work, the information that will be provided to um, users of the service, um, when it will be provided, and so on. Um, so these are important points, I think, going back to what we talked about at the start um, of conducting due diligence over your business. I think uh, the extent to which you're reliant on unregulated distributors is a really important point to, to fully appreciate and to identify what risks that presents to um, your business, you as the fintech in this case, obviously, um, and how you go about mitigating those risks. I think this is all part of the um, this overall puzzle of, of uh, ensuring compliance. Absolutely. No, I'm with you. Right. Let's quickly turn back to crypto then. You mentioned earlier that most crypto activities are not currently caught by the duty. Is there any way in which they could be impacted though? Yes, there is. So um, 
while crypto firms are not currently required to be authorized, they have recently become subject to the financial promotions regime. So a financial promotion is essentially a marketing communication that seeks to persuade people to uh, invest in a controlled asset class or engage in some sort of um, regulated activity. So in this case, investing in crypto. Um, and since the 8th of October of this year, the issue of those types of promotions has been subject to the UK financial promotion restriction and the FCA's rules in that area. So essentially, the financial promotion restriction says that only an FCA authorised person can issue financial promotions unless a financial promotion has been approved by an FCA authorised person or th there are various exemptions in the legislation. But that's that's the the, the sort of the, the base position is that only FCA authorised persons can issue or approve financial promotions. Um, it, it is quite onerous, this this restriction. If you breach it, then uh, the maximum penalty for doing that is a, well, it's a criminal offence, um, and the maximum penalty is two years imprisonment um, and or an unlimited fine. So um, serious consequences for getting it wrong. So now that crypto is subject to that regime, uh, crypto marketing communications can only be issued by SEO authorised firms or other people where the, the um, communication has been approved by one of those types of firms or, and this is specific to crypto communications, a crypto asset firm that is registered with the FCA for anti-money laundering purposes can issue its own crypto assets, but it has to comply with the FCA's rules when it does that. So essentially what all of that means is that if, an, if a crypto firm that is not registered with the FCA wants to issue marketing materials about its crypto products, it has to make sure that those have been approved by an FCA authorised person before it does so. If they haven't been approved, then that firm will breach the financial promotion restriction with all the bad consequences that I just described. Um, and so that what, what that in turn means is that um, those firms will have to engage an authorised person to approve their uh, crypto promotions. The authorised persons that do that will have to comply with um, the FCA's rules around approval of financial promotions, but they will also have to comply with consumer duty. And so crypto firms are effectively indirectly impacted by consumer duty in, in respect of those promotions. And I think that um, approving those promotions does bring with it particular risks for the approving authorised firm. And the effect of that is likely to be that those firms are um, less willing to help crypto firms to issue financial promotions. So it may have a, a chilling effect on the extent to which crypto firms are actually able to issue marketing communications in the UK. Sure, that's really interesting. Thank you. And I know it's something that a lot of our clients are, are really, really keen to hear about. Um, for those listeners, you mentioned these rules are already in effect. Yes, that's right. So um, the FCA has been putting out quite a lot of communications about this. Um, they seem to have been sort of reasonably concerned about the level of engagement that they've had from the industry um, and how it's been going thus far. So they put out 146 alerts about crypto asset promotions on the first day the new rules were in force. And alerts basically says that the, um, the firm issuing the promotion isn't authorised by the FCA and contains, I, I can't remember the exact form of wording, but it's something to the effect of that this may be a scam, which obviously isn't ideal if you're the crypto firm. Um, 
And uh, so the, the purpose of it is to warn consumers to to be careful um, uh, in terms of investing off the back of particular promotions. That number has tailed off a bit. So um, they subsequently stated at the end of October, on the 25th of October, in fact, that they'd issued 221 alerts since the regime went live, which means that it must have been about 75 in the two weeks after 8th of October versus 146 on the first day. So that could mean that firms are getting to grips with the regime more and that there's been a degree of um, stern finger wagging from the FCA that's having an effect. Or it could mean that the FCA has uh, slightly reduced the amount of resource that it's dedicating to sweeping up these communications, um, having allocated more at the start to to make a point. Um, so who knows? But I think it is uh, certainly something that uh, they're trying to impress upon crypto firms that they, they can't ignore and that they do have to ensure compliance. They have issued a couple of communications recently. So um, one on the 25th of October, FCA warns about common issues with crypto marketing, um, which uh, outlines three common issues with crypto financial promotions. So using particular terms of like safety and security without highlighting the risks, risks involved, putting risk warnings in tiny fonts and hard to read coloring and that sort of thing. Um, mm -hmm. So they are very much trying to to sort of carrot and stick help firms towards complying with the new rules. But I think ultimately, if they think that they need to, then they, they probably will start pursuing prosecutions, uh, which they have done in other areas previously. Uh, so I think it's important to see the FCA's push in this area um, in the broader context. So they have recently launched uh, a broader crackdown on financial promotions. So they've banned cold calling, which previously was allowed. Um, and they've also introduced a requirement on FCA authorised firms that approve um, non-authorised people's financial promotions to obtain a specific regulatory permission to do so, which is called the Financial Promotions Gateway. Previously, that wasn't required. And um, the FCA has introduced that because they want firms who are approving those sorts of uh, marketing communications to be subject to additional rules. Um, and so I think that it does rather illustrate that the FCA's new rules around crypto promotions is is part of that broader push. Yeah, perfect. Well, thanks, Jamie, for that overview of the consumer duty. To wrap things up, I'm trying to think, would it be fair enough to say that for the reasons that we've already outlined, of course, whilst navigating these new regulations will all, always be a challenge, from, to my mind, the role technology can play in helping fintechs meet these requirements of the duty and serve their clients better has the potential to be enormous. Is that a fair enough statement? Yes, to a degree. I think um, fintechs are well placed to meet the FCA's expectations mm -hmm. around, in particular, use of data to comply with the duty, which the FCA mentions throughout its um, various publications on the duty and throughout its guidance. They expect firms to collect data on how their products are being used and how they're operating so that they can spot um, instances where customers aren't receiving good outcomes or products aren't operating as intended um, or there are particular problems with the products that need to be um, addressed and they're expecting firms to use data to do that and I think that given fintechs are by definition technology and data-driven businesses they are quite well placed um, to meet those expectations of the regulator but I think it's important to recognize also that technology can never be a silver bullet for complying with the consumer duty um, there will inevitably be some aspects of compliance that have to be people driven and, and cannot hang off the technology. So, for example, 
firms have to have robust internal governance processes in place, um, which fundamentally are, are people driven. Um, you know, the, the boards of the business exercising strong control over um, the firm's overall com compliance and having a consumer duty champion at board level and receiving the correct MI. Um, these are things that the technology can help, but uh, it, it will not be the only um, aspect of uh, the firm's compliance with its obligations. So, yes, I think to, to sum up, technology will be very helpful and fintechs are well placed um, in that respect, but it, it can't be the, the, the end of things. Of course. No, I, I completely agree. Well, thanks, Jamie. To my mind, this conversation has been incredibly insightful. Uh, we appreciate your presence today and extend our gratitude to all of our listeners. We hope you find the discussion enjoyable. Should you seek more information about the topics covered in this podcast, including specifics discussed with Jamie, please don't hesitate to contact either of us. Our details are provided below. We also frequently publish thought leadership in this area. Alternatively, you can visit or explore our FinTech page or our Consumer Duty Hub in case you would like to find out more about the Consumer Duty itself. Thank you once again for tuning in and take care.